0: Absolutely. Just a little bit about this Paso side, though. Um, you know, under a new manager with Cesar mm-hmm. uh replacing George Simao in December, um, and you know, as as we mentioned, been kind of a, a an underwhelming season for the Beavers. Yeah. Uh, what have you made of them thus far? Y- you've summed it up
1: there. Underwhelming. Um, I mean, obviously losing. Um, a player of the quality of Eustachio, who's uh, who you know their midfield ticked with him in there um a huge player to try and replace but at the at the other end of the pitch um up front they haven't really got somebody i mean Douglas Tanky was a decent striker i don't think he was a world beater um i think for example Portsmouth have a bigger problem replacing Beto than than yeah. have replacing uh tank, but they haven't really managed to get somebody who's going to score them uh, a load of goals. I think Danielson has four or five goals from this season, but 16 in total is, you know, that's that's worrying for them um, because if they weren't so solid defensively, they would be and, and could still slip into trouble, you know. Um, fortunately, they have been good at the back. I think going into the Braga game, it was four draws in a row and it was like two nil alls and, and two one alls. So they're not conceding sackfuls of goals which are which are keeping them in games. But um, you would be a bit worried. I'm surprised that they didn't try and get somebody else in, uh, another striker, um, during the window.
0: Yeah. No, no, ab- absolutely. And uh, I-, I think that's definitely going to be a, a a big, big blow for them. Um, let's see. I I believe that just about rounds it up. Do we have enough time to discuss Belenenses game against Sintrench or uh, perhaps something along the lines of I think Rio Av going up against Estrela Amadora? Um I think I think that just about covers it, does it not? The
1: one match we didn't mention and I know it's been covered <laughs> everywhere is, is Porto and Sporting. Porto and
0: sporting, um, of sporting of course. The and, big, uh, uh, Friday game between the two top sides in Portugal. Yeah, I mean... It didn't disappoint. It, <laughs> it didn't. One uh, thing you can't say it did not
1: disappoint. Um, passions were high at the end. Um, I had a couple of takeaways from this um, yeah. game. I thought Guate's uh, sending off was harsh. The first yellow card for me, wasn't even a foul. I thought he got the ball and yeah. I thought it was a ridiculous yellow card. The second one, you know, you can't have much argument with that. And then the uh, the, the business uh, at the end was interesting, you know, and... and yeah. if I kind of, I don't know. I think fans kind of like it when players get in each other's faces. Like, it shows... That, that it means something to them you know and, and that they're passionate for what they're doing um, so yeah it was it was a great okay and the, the thing that struck me was you know the out full the atmosphere was incredible the game was on uh, BT I was actually working on a, a game in Ireland that night so I, I only saw the highlights afterwards but um, it's fr- again just from a broadcaster's point of view having full stadia makes such a difference to the transmission of a match. And the atmosphere of the game in Porto the other night was absolutely brilliant. Um, So, you know, good result for Benfica with uh, both sides dropping two points. Um, Porto maintaining that unbeaten run. So, yeah, the thing that struck me about Porto this season, uh, Vitinha, the couple of times that I've uh, done them recently, um, Fabio Vieira, you know, the young players are coming to the fore for Porto. And Zhao uh, Mario, you mentioned him earlier on in the, uh, the chat how well he's been doing uh, at right back. And so they have a nice mix of young players coming through. They, they don't seem to have missed Sergio Oliveira uh, very much since he's gone to play in Italy. Um, so a bit like Sporting last year with the Ruben Amarim bringing in the young players and giving them a chance and many of them proving to be great successes um, Porto are giving the young players a chance now and and you know it seems to be working for Sergio Conceicao. So. so I think the race is not over I mean there's six points in it but there's 12 matches to play so I still wouldn't be telling anybody to put their mortgage on Porto winning um, the league they probably will but I think we were in for an interesting few weeks
0: Yeah absolutely I, I agree with you I thought Quatt's sending off was very harsh um but uh, it looks like Sporting will be without Sebastian Coatz, João Paulina, Bruno Tabata and Ricardo Escaio for their next match against Estorio. Um,
1: Not a bad match for them to be suspended, by the way. You know, home game yeah. uh, against right. Estoril. I think they could, if the next match was against, you know, Benfica or Braga or even G.B. I think you yeah. might miss them a bit more. Maybe I'm being unfair to Estoril there, but... Um, I think they could live with those suspensions.
0: Right. I remember the the first match that they played between the two, two sides this season, and it, it seemed like Slodiel tried to kind of park the bus. I would expect them to be a bit more open uh, in trying to get a result, but, yeah, it, it's not an awful game for them to miss. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: And likewise for Porto, you know, well, obviously Marchine isn't really getting his game anyway, but Pepe... Um, will be suspended for the game against rent, and you know, again, not a bad match to be suspended for. Um, I'd be interested to get your view on one thing. By the way, I noticed um, the commentator on BT Sport was calling Pepe Pep, which is the Portuguese pronunciation. Right. But throughout his career, he's always been known as Pepe uh, when he was playing in Spain and stuff. And right. so, where would you? Where, it, how would you like me to call him? Let me ask you that question
0: i'm I'm not sure if i'm the best uh best person to ask for this because I'm not Brazilian but um I believe it's pepe i i think yeah. um like just but but then of course there's Pep, pepe the other pepe on Portugal. Yeah. so yeah. it yeah. Kind of a head scratcher. <laughs> it's, it's, a,
1: it's a tricky one for commentators because we had a situation like, for example, with um Yapstam yep. when he was playing with Manchester United. The right. Dutch pronunciation of Yapstam would be Yupstam. And I do know of a commentator close to me here who started calling him Yupp which was the correct pronunciation. But the, the received pronunciation, like in England and stuff, everybody called him Yapstam. So the commentator who was actually calling correctly pronouncing his name was getting a lot of stick because most people knew him as the apstam so i that's why i just thought i wondered am i right just to stick with pepe as i've called him all his career or is it too late now at 30 whatever years of age that he is to start calling him pet
0: absolutely yeah i'm not i'm not too sure i know both are brazilian so yeah yeah I, I, I want to talk about a few things from this match though because, um, you know, looking at this game, I think the biggest, what one of one of the biggest uh, question marks was in attack. Who was going to start for Porto? Was it going mm-hmm. to be Pepe, um, the the Brazilian winger at yeah. the center back? Yeah. Um, was it going to be Wenderson Galeno? who just a few weeks prior had had done fairly well against sporting with this former club, Braga. Uh, was it going to be Meritaremi? Taremi? It ended up being Taremi, um, with Porto going back to their 4-4-2, Otavio, Fabio Vieira, Mateo Saribe, and Vitor Ferreira starting in midfield with Evanilson partnering Meritaremi up top. Mm. It's interesting because, you know, we talked about this, I think, last week um, on Cortolinias. It seemed like almost Fabio has... Fabio Vieira with his emergence over the past few months has sort of taken Meditaremi's spot as kind of the 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 half center forward half mm-hmm. ten, if you will, like a nine and a half, if you will. Yeah. But uh one of these goals, one one of the goals um in sporting's two two draw against Porto saw Fabio Vieira assist Meditaremi, the other goal saw Taremi assist Fabio Vieira. So, you know interesting potential for for that uh for for a potential partnership between the two Um, Mm -hmm. and you know even with Luis Diaz going to Liverpool uh, as big of a blow as that is for Porto they still have a lot of quality competition uh players who you know started on the bench such as Pepe uh, Galena and Francisco Conceição as well as Tony Martinez um as well as Danny Namaso-Loder, who's doing fairly well with the B-team. So, um, you know, so many impressive options in the final third for Sergio Concesao. But I'm curious, what have you made of Meditaremi over the past few weeks? It does seem like there was somewhat of a drop-off in form, but... Uh, this game against Sporting potentially a turning point for
1: him? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, he has scored 12 goals this season and, um, you know, um, the third Iranian striker to uh, score in the league this weekend as well. Um, he took his goal uh, really well, you know, a smashing header. And he, you know, he's a, he's good in the air to Ramey and but he, he holds the ball up well as well. I, I like him, I must say. I've always liked him... Um, and I would still see him as their number one striker at the moment, in a way. I mean, Evan Ilsen has done pretty well as well since he came in. and The Brazilian, the striker, uh, Pepe, I, I haven't seen as much of him as I would like. A lot of the games that I've done, he's come on as a substitute, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to go as he did in the, in the game against Sporting this week. Um, but for me, Tare- Taremi is, is kind of the... The main man i mean we've seen a couple of silly red cards from over the last 12 18 months that he could have done without but um i like him yeah and i i i think you know 12 goals and 21 so far um i could see him finishing the season with 20 22 goals which will probably be enough to take porto to the title so he would be my my man the uh, the one you mentioned there the young Chico Conceição, I think he's got great potential as well. You know, every time I've seen him, he's he's looked really tricky and creative. And I don't, you know, Luis Diaz is a huge loss. There's no two ways about that. Jesus Corona is a loss as well, although I think he was starting to, you could almost, I don't know whether it was his body language. or He just, he wasn't as um, dangerous, I felt, this season as he had been and maybe he just kind of his mind was almost elsewhere um and as I mentioned Sergio oliveira so they've lost three players who were kind of key to their um attacking play in the last 12 months um, but they've managed to replace them really well and and the young players coming through as I say have done very well um but i'm I've, I've gone off the point slightly your question was Toremi and for me Toremi would still be their their number one striker and I, and I do think that he can add goals in the last heard of the season you know i could see him with 2022 20, come season's end
0: absolutely um so it it, it looks like uh it, it looks like overall you know not the result that sporting were hoping for but not the worst result especially considering sebastian koatz's sending off yeah. after halftime It uh, keeps the gap between the two te- teams with just at 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 six points with uh 12 matches remaining So, you know, it definitely won't be easy for Sporting to get back uh, into first place, but not impossible either. Mm, Um, Yeah,
1: no, and that's the beauty. I mean, I I, I think uh, the fact that they didn't lose at Porto at the weekend, had they done so, I think we could nearly start putting the blue and white ribbons on the trophy. But um, the fact now that there's only six points between the teams... It keeps it alive, and obviously, from fans' point of view, from everybody's point of view, that's that's great as the the season goes on. So, I was glad that that um, Porto didn't win um, because I hate it when there's a runaway champion. Yeah. So, I, I think this keeps the, the pot boiling for the next while, anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah. As long as there's not a runaway, I think definitely. Uh, but you know, the for me, the only surprise in the sporting lineup. The biggest surprise, I think, of any of either lineup, uh, mm-hmm. was Manuel Ugarte starting in midfield alongside Mateus Nunes, with Joao Paulinha starting on the bench. Paulinha, of course, uh, ended up getting sent off. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, it, I think that I would definitely, I, I definitely expect Paulinha to start in today's match against Manchester yeah. City.
1: I would, too. Just the physicality alone. um, The
0: physicality as well as he's not going to be able to play um, against Montreal. I would definitely expect Ruben Amorim to go all in with today's lineup against Manchester City. But Paulinha, you know, one of the most important players in the sporting side, uh, you know, starting perhaps the most important season of the... perhaps the most important match of the season on the bench with Ugarte. Uh, playing in the double pivot alongside Mateus Nunes, what did you make of this choice? From I was
1: surprised um, when I heard about it. Um, the only thing, I, well, there's two two aspects to it. I think Ruben Amarim seems to really like Ugarte for, uh, and he is. I mean, he's a he's, a, he's been a good signing, and I think he has the potential to be a really good player for uh, Sporting. I can only imagine that João Palinha had a slight knock or something. I I can't think that Ugarte would be picked ahead of him for a big game like this, unless there was some underlying circumstance where he just was carrying a a bit of a niggly injury or something that wasn't enough to keep him out of the game. He was able to come on as a sub, but he just wasn't firing quite on all cylinders. I'd be really, really surprised if Ugarte just was picked ahead of him for tactical uh, reasons. Um, I don't I, I, I didn't hear any interviews afterwards or anything. Like I don't know whether um Amarim uh, explained that decision, but for me it will be Jiao every time ahead of Ugarte at the moment anyway.
0: Absolutely. Uh without any further ado, we're gonna move on to our talent of the week section. Um for my talent of the week, I'm going to go with an 18-year-old. Um who? Wow! Born in two thousand and three. That is incredible. Does that make
1: you feel old?
0: Yeah, it it actually does make me. Feel makes old.
1: me feel very, very old.
0: <laughs> that is uh, five years older than me, almost to <laughs> the date. It's um, about
1: it's about a hundred years younger <laughs> than me. So,
0: <laughs> um, any guesses for who I'm gonna go with?
1: <laughs> go on, you tell me.
0: I'm going to go with Machoy Bobo Jolo. Machoy, the son of retired footballer uh, Bobo Jolo. Yeah. And Machoy, uh, born in Guinea-Bissau in 2003, as I mentioned, um, and started off with Paso Stifajera's academy at a young age. And uh, in 2019... Machoi uh became the youngest player to ever play in Primera Liga on August tenth, twenty nineteen, coming on uh as a substitute in a five law lo- five nothing loss to Benfica as a substitute for uh player we've talked about before on, on today's podcast, Pedrinho, the the mm. Vicent diminutive uh midfielder. Uh, who was with Passos at the time? Now at Jill Descent. but uh, Jallo, you know, he's definitely one of those players who I think their their young debut definitely attached a lot of a lot of early hype to them. Yeah. Sal them the fact that you know it's been what two and a half years since he made his debut, and he's still just eighteen. That's just yeah. that's kind of absurd <laughs> when you think about it, but. Um, but but yeah mutually jalo uh you know making his debut in 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 2019 um and 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 played eventually uh in the final match of the 2019 20 season uh played against Gil Vicente and ended up scoring ended up scoring in a 3-3 draw um the following summer the following season we saw Machoy, once again, uh, a fairly sporadic role, just three appearances. And uh, despite despite the lack of game time from him, he was linked with a lot of big clubs. Arsenal were reportedly interested in signing him for, uh, I think, one million pounds or so. Um, So uh, a player who, despite not really... Um, despite not really having much in the ti- in, in the way of game time at the top level, yeah. he's already getting a lot of hype and you know linked to clubs such as Arsenal. Um, and are
1: you picking him out as a player that we should be watching, say, in the last twelve weeks of the season, or I, into the yeah. future, or
0: a bit of both? Shall we yeah. say? Because you know as I mentioned, Passos. Um, you know, losing some some suffering some key departures, like some Douglas Tanke and so on. None bigger than manager Peppa, I might add. Yeah. Um machoy has has been kind of, shall we say, sort of uh gradually eased into the team, but for the first time in the league this season, played more than forty five minutes, uh starting in in in, in midfield and playing uh 72 minutes against Braga um overall i thought he 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 did fairly well i thought he had a really impressive start uh for the beavers um good close control good dribbling as well as uh winning the ball back in the final third um you know one of those players who sort of uh who who as we mentioned sort of uh his it, it can be kind of hard when you have that much hype, yes. uh, to 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 deliver to kind of perhaps expectations that are higher than they should be, but I thought that he was a real threat against Braga, um, and uh, he actually ended up setting up the first goal, getting uh, dribbling past a few Braga players, getting tripped up near the area, and Antunes uh, getting a uh, one nothing lead going into halftime. Um, so overall, you know, Passos. Going back to what we, we mentioned before, the second yeah. lowest scoring team in the league, they need some creativity. I do think that Machoy, uh could potentially be a threat to to crack into the starting eleven on a permanent basis. I believe I, I believe that Passos. Uh, the, the biggest reason I think that the biggest reason why Machoy, ended up starting against Braga um, was suspension to Nuno Santos, uh, on a, a player who's done fairly well on loan from Benfica. Yeah. Um, I believe he was suspended due to yellow card accumulation. Um, so tough, definitely some very tough competition between Nuno and Machoy, but I definitely think we'll see him getting a lot more minutes later.
1: And to be honest with you, he's probably at the right club. You know, at at the age that he's at at the moment, he would still struggle. I mean, as it is, he's kind of struggling to get game time at at Bastos, Although that start, like the fact that he got a first start this weekend, maybe is a sign of things to come. But if he was at a Benfica or Porto, Sporting, whatever, I th- I think it would be really tough for him to get into the team at the moment. Um, so. At Passos, there's a good chance now that he might get some game time because I've done a few of their matches where he's come on as a sub, maybe with 10 minutes to go, maybe with 15 minutes to go. And it's really hard to make an impact on a match in that situation, especially when you're so young. So I'll be very interested to keep an eye on him and see how he gets on over the next three or four months before the end of the season. Um, so that's one I will watch out for. Um, my, my one for the week is... Kennedy Boateng, we spoke about him earlier on for Santa Clara. Um, he was just so good against uh, Benfica. So my player to keep an eye on over the next few weeks, Kennedy Boateng, Santa Clara, centre-half, and future Benfica centre-half for Porto or
0: <laughs> Sporting <game. laughs> Big, big words to end our podcast. Uh, thank you so much once again, Colin. It was a real pleasure to have your insight on. Just uh, to, to finish off this episode where can the people find you either in social media or, or in your commentary?
1: Uh, social media on Twitter is at con Murphy Um, the games go out on free sports in the UK and in Ireland. They also go out in Scandinavia and America on various channels that I, some of which I don't even know about. Um, so, and, and they go out in Portugal actually in, in English language as well. So, but the, the, um, in the UK and, and in Ireland, it's a free sport. And I, I love doing the games. I mean, you spoke earlier on about um, the Primera Liga and, and, you know, me kind of being invested in it. And it's, I almost feel about the Portuguese teams now the way I feel about Irish teams. So for example, when the Portuguese sides are playing in Europe, I, I want them all to do well. I want them to represent the league well. And even tonight now I'd love to, Sporting to beat Manchester City um, But you know Benfica I want them to beat Ajax I, So I, I'm on side With the, the Portuguese teams When they're playing in Europe and, and I think it's a fantastic league We see some Brilliant Some of the best young players In Europe Are coming through The Premier League Season after season um, and it's great to see them while they're playing in Portugal before they go on and play with, you know, whether it's Ruben Diaz at Man City or Luis Diaz at Liverpool, Bruno Fernandes, wh- wh- whoever it might be. So, it's a, you know better than most. It's a great league and it's right. great to be working on it.
0: It is a great league. Um, and yes, yeah, Sporting going up against Ajax, Benfica taking on. Or, benfica sorry, Ajax,
1: Sporting-Man City.
0: Sporting-Man City. Uh Braga against Sheriff Tiraspol, I believe, yeah. and Porto against Lazio. Wishing all Portuguese teams a lot of good luck in in their uh, in, in their European competitions coming up, as as you mentioned. Hopefully, they can represent the league well and then show up in in Europe. But yeah, once again, thank you so much, Khan. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the latest episode of Courtlyish.